0: welcome to the new beginnings community church podcast here at nbcc we welcome the imperfect flawed and broken as much as the healing and thriving because we are all god's children we hope you enjoy this week's message good morning church how are we doing today I heard that one (laughs) hey I'm excited to be here with you first and foremost my name is Charlie Um, did anyone by chance yeah shout out that Um, anyone by chance get to hear the announcement video today yeah, did you guys hear the way I introed the way? it? Okay, I was just I was just wondering see if it was a it was a uh, a way of to see if you guys were actually uh, listening to the announcement video. I told I introed myself as one of the best speakers here at New Beginnings. I don't think that, but I just wanted to see if you guys caught that. Um, but hey, uh, excited to be here again. My name is Charlie. I'm a generations pastor here at New Beginnings, and uh, today uh, I have the opportunity to share in our series called Acts the Revi- or the arrival. And uh, it's been a long time since I've gotten the opportunity to speak here on a Sunday morning. And uh, when Pastor Jim came to me and he was like, hey, I want you um, to speak on September 25th. I was like, oh, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. And then he goes on and he was like, again, we'll be in the series Acts and you'll be speaking on Acts chapter 5. And I was like, okay. And I wasn't going to lie and think like I knew exactly what Acts chapter 5 was all about. So I had to go to my office and pull my Bible out. And I was like, what's Acts chapter 5? And I look and I was like, oh, we're talking about Ananias and Sapphira. And if you know scripture and you know Acts chapter 5, one, you're holier than me. But two, Ananias and Sapphira is kind of a, a doozy when it comes to reading it. And when you look at it, it's like, what? is happening and I was like now I see why Pastor Jim gave this to me Not that he couldn't speak it, but he was just like, I'm going to let you speak on Ananias and Sapphira. So that's where we are today, and today I'm excited because as I was kind of preparing for this message and I was going over it, um, there's a lot of things that I felt like God was kind of revealing to me in these scriptures. And I got three points for you, but before we even dive into those, I kind of am going to take a page out of Pastor Jim's book, and I'm going to go kind of verse by verse with you guys. We have 16 verses to cover in Acts chapter 5 today. So if you're taking notes, what I'd love for you to do is I'd love for you to write down the title of the message and that is keeping up with the joneses keeping up with the joneses i kind of heard some of you guys laugh a little bit when you hear keeping up with the joneses what's like the first thing you guys think of you guys can respond back shout back what are the first things you think of cars, cars. that was a, that was the very first one someone said in first service they said cars what else is out there house spending money anybody else vacations That's a good one. Yeah, if you don't know, keep it up with the Joneses. It's this, this mantra that we have to keep up with our neighbors. When the neighbor gets a new car, we got to get a new car. When the neighbor gets a dog, we got to get a dog. And it just follows through. And what's funny is me and my wife, we've been married for a little over three years now. And uh, when we got married, we moved in. Yeah, shut that out. Ooh. Um, <laughs> when we got married, we moved into an apartment um, over in Chino. And when we were in this apartment, uh, we we lived there for about three, probably three years. And then we ended up just recently moving into a house. We didn't buy it because the market's insane. But we're renting this house in Corona. And it was funny because we had the same realization that when we sat down at our house, we were like, we have a front yard. (laughs) Like, we haven't had a front yard. Like, this was crazy. And not only that, we have a backyard. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is so cool. The only problem was when we drove up to our house for the very first time I'm looking at all the other neighbors and I'm like man they got a nice yard man he has a nice yard too and I was like Bob over there he has a nice yard he came up and talked to me like the very first day super cool guy uh he was like man Bob has a nice yard too and then I get to our house and I'm like our yard doesn't look nice Our yard is overgrown. The bushes are all out of whack. It hasn't been edged, I feel like, in like a year. And I'm like, we need to get on this. I kind of fell into that trap. I was like, I want to keep up with everybody else. I can't have our yard looking like the worst yard in the neighborhood. So I ended up buying a lawnmower. I got a weed eater. I got the trimmers for the hedges. I got little clippers. And I'm out there. I have my gardening hat on. got my dad's shoes, you know, the ones with the insoles because it hurts. And so hey I'm 28 but my feet are like they're like 50 um and I'm out there and I'm mowing the yard and I get down and I remember taking a step back and it's funny because I just did this on Friday I just got done mowing the yard and I take a step back and I had the full dad stance <laughs> and I'm looking at the yard and I'm like man my yard looks good <sighs> Do you see that edging Ooh, man that thing is crisp and I'm looking and I'm looking at the other neighbors and I'm like <laughs> your yard sucks compared to mine, and I'm thinking these things, and I have this kind of keeping up with the Joneses mentality, and I shared that, and and it's funny, but it's also funny because now my Instagram feed is filled with guys cutting the yard, and it's just like, what is consuming my life right now, I'm talking about what kind of seed I'm going to need for the wintertime, everything else, if you guys have recommendations, come talk to me, um... (laughs) But when I sit back and I think of that, I also think of this story because in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they're going to find themselves in a situation they wish they were not in. And the reason why they got themselves in this situation was because they were trying to keep up with the Joneses. They were trying to keep up with this image. They were trying to keep up with this picture of what their life should look like. And so right now what I'm going to do is we're going to break down these 16 verses really quick. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. I hope you guys brought your Bibles. Hope you brought your pen because I'm going to ask you to underline a few different things. But in Acts chapter 5, starting off in verse 1, it reads like this But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. I'm going to pause. If you can, underline Ananias in your Bible and also underline Sapphira. Ananias, the meaning behind that name is God is gracious. And then for Sapphira, her name means beautiful. Now, if you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it seems like there is no grace from God in this story and does not seem like a beautiful story. And If you don't know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you'll understand right now why I say that. But at the end of the day, when we get into these next three points after going over this, we're going to see how God's grace is really poured out upon this entire story and how it ends up being a beautiful story of Ananias and Sapphira what happens to them isn't so beautiful but the story itself is verse 2 says this and kept some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it he laid it at the feet of the apostle verse 2 says that what I want you to do is, I want you to underline with his wife's full knowledge the reason why I want you to underline that is because when we read this text a lot of times we end up jumping the gun saying see this is all Ananias' fault this is his fault he's the reason why they're in the situation that they're in but I want us to understand that it's not just Ananias' fault it's also Sapphira's fault Sapphira had full knowledge of what they were doing they sold a piece of property they said they were going to give it all to the church but they didn't they lied And they both knew what they were doing. Now, verse 3 and 4 say this. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, if you're reading verse 3 and verse 4, it almost sounds like a contradiction because in verse 3... You can underline this. It says, to lie to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 4, it goes in and says, you have not lied to men, but to God. Peter's the one having this conversation with Ananias, and when you're looking at this text, it sounds like Peter's contradicting himself. Peter, who is it that he lied to? Is it to the Holy Spirit? Is it to God? And really, in this text, when you dive into it, we can understand that Peter isn't contradicting himself. Instead, Peter is proving two huge points in the early church right now what he just proved is this is he proved that the holy spirit is a person it's not just this thing floating around in the in the air as a spirit like a wind even though he comes in like a wind but it is a person you don't get to lie just to a random object you have to lie to a person and on top of that he goes in in verse four and says you've not lied to men but you've lied to god claiming that the Holy Spirit is also God, part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He did not contradict himself, but instead he proved two huge points in that Trinity of the early church. Verse five says this, and this is where it gets juicy. I said juicy, yes. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it talk about a story you lied to peter and all of a sudden you're done like when you read that it's like what's happening right here again going back to ananias's name god is gracious that don't seem gracious to me that doesn't seem like there's a second chance there why would he do that it's also funny because could you imagine being peter in this moment Peter just called his man out for his sin. And all of a sudden, Ananias dies right in front of him. It doesn't say in Scripture, and this is sometimes when we read this, we read this text, we get confused sometimes because we think that Peter's the one that struck him dead. No, Scripture does not say that. God did that. All Peter did was call him out for his sin, and all of a sudden, Ananias dies. And it says that great fear swept over the land. What's funny is I wonder what's going through Peter's mind. You ever see like if you have a kid and you go to like an automatic door I even do this today and I'm 28 and you like you put your hand to the automatic door and I act like you have powers to open the door and it opens and (laughs) I saw that and it like like, opens up and you kind of look at your hands like I have the power I've done it I imagine that's what Peter's doing he's like what did I just do I didn't didn't mean for that to happen (laughs) but he's probably shocked just like everybody else He's probably thinking to himself how did that happen And we'll get into that once we get into the next few points. But let's continue reading. Verse 6. The young men got up and covered him up. And after carrying him out, they buried him. Verse 7. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours. This is where it gets even more juicy. And his wife came in not knowing what happened. I'm going to read to verse 7 one more time. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours. And his wife came in not knowing what had happened. If you're in that room... You just watched Ananias die. Here comes Sapphira just strolling on and thinking everything's good. If you're in that room, what are you thinking? Because I'm thinking, another one bite the dust. Hey, hey. Like, I'm thinking she doesn't even know what's got to happen to her. She's going to die today. Like, it's like, that's what I'm thinking. Now, you can call me sick and twisted, but hey, that's okay. I know you're thinking the same thing. You just don't want to admit it. Um, But I'm thinking, man, she has no idea what she's walking into. She has no idea her husband just died for lying. And here she comes walking in. Watch what happens. Verse 8. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Again, I'm there. I'm like, oh, girl, you don't mess (laughs) up. Verse 9. Then Peter said to her, and Peter just goes, oof. Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together? In together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test behold the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well come on Peter man verse 10 and immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last the young men came in and found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband verse 11 and great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard these things yeah Great fear would come over all of the church. You just heard there's been two deaths in the church. Imagine this. Imagine you're, you're like a fresh church plant. We just planted a church in Riverside about a year ago now. Imagine you're a fresh church plant. You're not even three weeks into being in a church. You hit Twitter headlines for two deaths in your church. you think that's good publicity? No. You think people are going to come to your church? No. There's no way. Now imagine that, but you're the first church in general And you have two deaths in your church. Yeah, no one's going to want to come. Like on our outside looking in kind of mindset, we're thinking, why would they do this? This is not the way to evangelize. This is not the way for people to come to know who Jesus is. is You have two deaths in your church. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But verse 12 says this. This is so funny to me. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. It's funny to me because we just saw two deaths happen right back to back. And all of a sudden we're talking about the apostles performing signs and wonders and everyone's working together. It's like, talk about a jump. But what I find really amazing about verse 12, if you want, you can highlight one accord. And the reason why I say that is because it was talking about having so many signs and wonders. There's healings, there's miracles happening. But to me, one of the biggest miracles that we see is everyone's working with one accord. Meaning everyone's working together. Everyone has the same vision. Everyone is working towards a common goal. The reason why that's amazing to me is because us in this room, if I said to you guys, hey, today, after church, I'm going to take everybody out to go eat, and I'll pay. But I said, you guys have to decide on where we're going to eat. Yeah. You're like... we'd be here all night we would be here all night trying to figure out I'd be because if I had it my way I'd be like let's go to Wingstop but some of you guys are like I don't like chicken and I'm like chicken don't like you either and so we, we would just go on back and forth so it's amazing to see in the early church everyone's working together everyone has this common goal church I want us to think about this imagine if we were a church with one common goal working towards that what we can do for Christ how we could change the world it'd be amazing Now, verse 13. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. Verse 14. And all the more believers in the the Lord, multitudes of men and women were consistently added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were being healed. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, we give this time to you. God, we give this message to you. God, let this be none of my words. Let this be all your words. All I am is a mouthpiece. God, let your Holy Spirit dwell here today as it dwelled in Acts chapter 5, God. God, we love you, we thank you, and God, we pray today that Tampa Bay beats Green Bay. In your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Anyone else excited football's back? Yes, amen, amen. Any Raider fans in the house? Woo! I'm praying for you guys, don't worry. Um, <laughs> yeah, what happened? Who are you guys playing today? Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. How Never mind. Um, yeah, that's a whole other message for a whole other time. But today what I want you to do is I want you to write down the first, um, the first point. The first point is image versus reality. Image versus reality. Now I'm going to read again v- chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 one more time. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full Knowledge And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Not lied to men, but to God. Now, when you're reading this, and again, I kind of proposed the question a little bit ago of like, why would Ananias and Sapphira do this? Why is it that they're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to sell this piece of property, and I'm going to say I'm going to give it all to the church, but not actually do it. Where did this idea come from? See, this idea came from Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, just one chapter prior. Verse 36 and 37 say this. Can we put it up there? Beautiful. It says this, Barnabas, by the apostles, which translation, translated means son of encouragement... And who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, if you know the book of Acts, you know Barnabas. And throughout this series, we're going to get to know Barnabas really well. But Barnabas in Acts chapter 4 is doing really what Ananias and Sapphira are trying to do. But the only thing with Barnabas is Barnabas actually did it. Barnabas sold a piece of land, took all that money he got from that land, and gave it to the church. Now, the thing with that is this. Barnabas' name started to spread oh that's that barnabas that, that's the guy that sold that land and gave all the money to the church he's holy he, he he's awesome he's great and when his fame and his name started getting spread around the church ananias and sapphira heard that and this is where the reason why they they did what they did comes into play because they wanted to be talked about too they wanted people to think they were holy. They wanted people to think that they were doing a good deed when in reality they decided to lie. But the thing with Ananias and Sapphira is it wasn't so much the fact that they lied being the reason why God did what they did, but there was another reason. You see, in verse 4, I'm going to read it one more time. I'm sorry, I know we've read this three times now, but i want to read it one more time. While it remained unsold, that it not remain your own. And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The real issue with Ananias and Sapphira we find right here is this. What Peter just told Ananias was, hey, that property that you had, it was yours before you sold it. You could do whatever you want with it. That money that you got from that property, once you sold it, it was your money. You could do whatever you want with it. But you lied saying that you gave it all to the church when really you didn't. The issue that Ananias and Sapphira had wasn't so much the lie, but it was the pride that they were wanting. There was a pride issue with Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to be talked about. They wanted to be in the spotlight. They wanted people to think that they were great. That's where we find their fault. And what's funny is we could sit back and I can sit back here and think to Ananias and Sapphira and be like, man, you guys are dumb. How'd you guys not see that happen? How do you guys? How, why are you guys going to lie about something like this? How are you guys going to be filled with pride? But the thing is, this church—we do this every day, every week. We fill ourselves up with pride. We lie to ourselves from time to time. What do I mean? Is this—is when we're at work and someone gets a raise, and we're like, "Man, people are talking nice about that guy. I want to be talked nice about." I want to be praised. I want people to acknowledge my work. That's pride. I'd even go so far to the extent to say that that even happens in our household. You hear a wife bragging on her husband, saying her husband's so great. He mowed the yard. Hey. You see the edging he did? Come on. But we, we, we hear that, and then we think to ourselves as husbands, I want my wife to talk to me like that. To talk, to talk about me like that. That's pride. If you're in school in this room and you're in school and the teacher or the professor calls out someone that did great on their test, saying, man, this person got an A. You're like, man, I, w- I want people to talk about me like that. I want the professor to talk about me like that. Well, you got an F. Just do more studying. <laughs> that's pride. I'll get real with you guys. We even do this in church. We say we've read the entire Bible to look like we know what we're talking about, but in reality, we haven't read the entire Bible. We say we pray daily, when in reality, we don't pray daily. We say we give 10% to the church. We say we tithe, when in reality, we don't. Did you know they did a study that only 20% of your church congregation actually tithes? So if everyone in this room is saying, "I, I tithe, that's me, someone's lying I know this to be true because I did it myself you see this this Bible right here is one of my very first Bibles I ever bought it's funny because I went to the store that was um, off of Tyler, uh, the briam Bible bookstore I think is what it used to be called it's no longer there, I think it's a boot bar now in 2012 I went and bought this Bible And I'm there, and I'm looking around, and I'm new to Christianity. I don't know a thing about it. I just know Jesus is cool. He loves me. I love him too. And I'm there, and I'm looking at the Bibles, and I'm like, man, what Bible do I get? And I see this one, and it's the American Patriots Bible. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about right there. I love history. And it goes through all this history throughout the the Bible and whatnot. I'm like, I'm going to get that one. The only problem was I didn't know the difference between translations and I bought a New King James version, and I'm like, bro, what am I reading right now? I, got, I read at like a 10th grade level, so this was way beyond my, my understanding. But what's funny is I remember when I brought my Bible out, I would see other people open their Bibles, and they had highlights, they had underlines, they, they had certain pens, they, they had notes on the side, and I'm like, man, he knows what he's talking about. So what I did was I went home, I opened my Bible, I just started underlining things. I was just like, I'm just going to have this thing marked up so when I open it, people are going to be like, oh man, Charlie, man, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's saying. And you see, it's funny, but what that is, is pride. I, fall, I fell into wanting the image of looking spiritual rather than the reality of it. You see, I have this quote I want us to read really quick. It's it's easy to fall in love with the image of spirituality without the reality of a spiritual life. I'll say that one more time. It's easy to fall in love with the image of spirituality without the reality of a spiritual life. We want to look like we have everything going on. We love the image of being this great Christian without actually putting in the work for it without actually having a daily devotion, without actually praying to God, without actually opening our word, we want the image when Christ is saying, no, 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 I want you to be in the reality of it. Christ does not want to use someone that is in the image of someone that is spiritual. He wants the reality of it. If you want to be used by Christ, start taking it serious. The thing with Ananias and Sapphira is they could have been used greatly. But they fell into the image of, a, of someone spiritual rather than the reality of someone spiritual. And the cool part about Ananias and Sapphira today in point one is we can take what they've done wrong and learn from it. Not to fall into the image, but instead to fall into the reality. Actually put the work in. Now my second point today is truth and Grace truth and grace. We're going to pick up in verse 5. Verse 5 says this, And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval about three hours. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such price." And she said, yes, that was the price. Verse 9, then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her besides her husband. Now, reading that text, and when we went over it the very first time, one of the questions that proposed was, why? Why? Why would God end Ananias and Sapphira's life over a lie? Yeah, there was was pride, but it doesn't seem that harsh. It's like they lied. So why is it that God decided, you know what? We're going to stop this right here. I think there's two reasons why. The very first reason why is because not only did they suffer with pride, not only did they lie, they also stole. This is what I mean. In this text, we read that they said they were going to give everything they got from that property to God, to the church. They lied and took some of it back. Once they said that all that money belonged to the church, belonged to God, and when they took it back, what they ended up doing was they took money from God. They took a possession from God. They stole. In the text, it says, take back and in the greek we find this also being read in titus the only other time it's ever brought up those two words like that in the greek are brought up in titus and in titus and in acts chapter 5 it means to steal they stole from god and the second reason why god did what he did was because the church just started the church was fresh it was brand new There was no sin, there was no blemish. Now, I'm not saying that the people in the church were perfect, but there was no controversy. This is the first thing that entered into the church. And as it did, God saw that and said, no, 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 we're ending this right now. You see the same thing happened in the Old Testament with Joshua. Joshua chapter six and Joshua chapter seven, we read of Joshua and them taking out Jericho. It was the beginning of, of this kind of world tour they were kind of doing. They took over Jericho and they dedicated that first win to the Lord that every all those possessions that were there were going to be used for God. But this guy that goes by the name of Achan in that story that decides, you know what? Ain't no, one know, ain't no one gonna know that I'm gonna steal some of this stuff to keep for myself. So Achan, being Achan, took some of that stuff. The next day they found out that someone stole something and Achan died. Why? Because it was the first. God cherishes the first. God takes that serious. And now I know some of us are thinking, okay, Charlie, I get it. They stole, they lied, there's pride, the first, but why doesn't it happen today? The short answer, if it happened today, none of us, including myself, would make it out of here alive. (laughs) None of us. Not a single one of us. You see, that's the beautiful thing about God, though. We serve a God that is filled with truth. We serve a God that is filled with correction. But we also serve a God that is filled with grace and second chances. That when we mess up, he picks us up, and he doesn't leave us there, but instead he guides us to the next path. You might be thinking, well, what do you mean he's a God filled with truth and correction? You know, have you ever been doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing? Like your wife said, hey, don't eat that Twinkie, but you're like, hey, I'm going to eat it anyways. You kind of get that gut feeling. You're like, I know we're on a diet, but I'm going to eat it anyways. And you get that gut feeling that you're doing something wrong. That's God saying, hey, don't eat that Twinkie. It's going to go straight to your hips. <laughs> that right there, that's correction. Now, I know that was a, a weird analogy, but I just really want a Twinkie right now. <laughs> Also, we find correction through Scripture. When you're reading Scripture and you're like, oof, I'm not living the same way Christ wants me to live. And you kind of feel that gut feeling again. That's God trying to correct you. That's God trying to align you with his purpose and his plan for your life. And the beautiful thing is this. Every one of us in this room, including myself, will never be perfect. And that's where the grace of God comes into play. That even though we are messed up, Even though we are sinners, even though we make mistakes, God will still be there saying, keep on going. But the issue that I have in this thought is for so long. I've been a youth pastor for seven plus years. uh, I've been in youth ministry for 10 plus years. The issue that I have is for so long, we've taught this next generation and the generations that are here today that we serve a God filled with grace and love and mercy but we've left out the truth. For so long we've done that. And we sit back and we think to ourselves, man, why is the world the way it is today? Why is the next generation rising up not understanding the difference between a boy and a girl? Why is the generation that's rising up today so confused and just wanting to go by their feelings? The reason why is because we've taught them for so long that their feelings, and I'm not trying to be mean, but their feelings matter over what truth actually says. For so long, we've done that. For so long, we didn't want to correct because we didn't want them to feel a certain way. But the thing is this this gospel will be offensive because it's going to correct us and it's going to direct us where God wants us to go. And the faster we realize that, the faster we can see our kids, this next generation, rise up and do some amazing things for Christ. God is a God filled with grace and truth. We cannot forget the truth. And we see this happen in Ananias and Sapphira's life. We see the grace today, but we also see the truth. Now the third, and the last point, and the band's gonna come up, we're gonna close out with another song of worship. The third point I have for you today is this, is he's still working. Now if you have your notes today from online or whatnot, I was kind of wrestling with this point. I, I put down that he's still there, but I was like, no, 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 we know he's still here. I want us to know that he's still working you see verse 13 and verse 14 say this these are the last scriptures I'm going to read today but none of the rest dared to associate with them however the people held them in high esteem and all the more believers in the Lord multitudes of men and women were consistently added to their number and when we read verse 13 and we read verse 14 it almost sounds like Peter and Luke the author of Acts is contradicting themselves we see that no one dared to join them in verse 13 but in 14 we see people join them. So when you read this with the naked eye you're like what's happening right now? See something I want us to understand in verse 13 what they're talking about really quick is when it says they did not dare to join them them is the apostles. Again Peter now has this reputation of a killer. So No, I'm not going to associate myself with Peter. Could you imagine being the next person to have to walk in and talk to Peter? It's like, dead body one, dead body two. I gotta go next. No, thank you. Like, hey, that rhymes. Um, I'm like, I'm good. I don't wanna go. So yeah, no one dared to join them. But the thing is this, is Peter brought truth. God used Peter to bring truth into that situation and people still joined the church. They were in awe of what God was doing. For so long, again, going back to the truth, going back to grace, we thought that if we brought so much truth into people's lives that people would be turned away from God. No, there are times where correction needs to be brought, and people will see that, and people will agree to that, and people will enjoy that, followed with grace. The other reason why I think people were joining multitudes of men and women was because even though there was the death of Ananias and Sapphira, Even though there was sin that entered the land, even though there was pride, there was lying, there was hurt, there was pain, there was awe, there was fear, the Holy Spirit was still at work. The Holy Spirit was still at work. The Holy Spirit was still moving. It was still doing what God said he would do. And this morning, I don't know where we're at, but I feel like there might be some of us in this room today that we feel like the Holy Spirit is not working in their lives. We might feel like, you know what, today, Charlie, you, you, you've been sharing this, and I get it. I need to stop chasing the image of a spiritual life, and I need to fall into the reality of one. You know, I need to stop keeping up with the Joneses, but the thing is that I feel broken inside. I feel like I haven't felt the Holy Spirit in years. I feel this this weight on my chest. I feel this anxiety. I feel this this need to perform, but I just can't. And I feel like I'm turning to God, but He's nowhere to be found. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit that was moving in Acts chapter 5 is the same Holy Spirit that is here in 2022. He is still alive, He is still working, He is still moving. Yes, there's going to be times where we might not feel like that, but we have to trust. We have to have the faith that he is moving. And tonight, today, I want to open up the altar for a time of prayer as we get ready to go into this song. I want to have a time of prayer with us for us in this room that you're saying, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit's not here. I feel like I can't can't wrap my mind around this. My life feels like it's a living hell right now. We want to open the altar up for you right now. So what I want to do is I want to pray. I want to pray first for us in this room that maybe you've never accepted Christ before. You're hearing this and you're talking, and you're like getting confused. You're like, wait a second, God killed people? And then now He's a gracious God. He's a beautiful God. What's happening right now? But if you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus, you want to put your faith in him as Lord and as Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. It's not something I'm doing, but it's something God's already been doing. And then I want to open up the altar for a time of prayer and a last song of worship. So if we can, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's the same in Acts chapter 5 as it is in 2022. God, we ask for your Spirit to move. God, we pray right now for those that are in this room today that don't have a relationship with you, that they're pondering this idea, they're they're thinking to themselves, is this real? Is this the right time? God, I pray right now your spirit lets them know today's the day. There's no time like today. So if you're in this room right now with every head bowed, every eyes closed, and you're thinking to yourself today's the day, I want to give my life to Jesus. Believe in him believing that he died on that cross, believing that he rose three days later for you to be able to have a pathway into heaven and to have a relationship with him. On the count of three, all you're gonna do is just raise your hand. Saying, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. Yes, I put my faith in you and I trust in you. Believing you did what you said you did. So again, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, no one's looking. Two, this is a moment between you and Jesus. Three, if that's you in this place, you can just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. You guys can put your hands down. Father God, you saw every hand raised in this room saying today's the day. September 25th is the day. I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm giving my life to you. I'm coming into a relationship with you. God, bring correction in my life, bring truth in my life, but also bring grace in my life. And God, that's the prayer we pray for this church today. For those that said yes to you, God, we celebrate with them. We're behind them. We're encouraging them. And God, I pray today that those that raised their hand understand that today is just the beginning. This is just the start of their walk. This doesn't mean that life's gonna be perfect, but God, it means they get to do life with you through the correction, and through your grace. So God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. God, we give that time and we give those to you. In your name we pray, amen. If you guys could, first of all, can you give it up for those that gave their life to Jesus today? Church, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you so much for being here today. Um, if you accepted Jesus today as your Lord and your Savior, we encourage you to come over here to our left. On my left, your right, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Would love to get you going on in those next steps. And also, if there's anything else you guys need prayer for, I'll be up here. We have our prayer team over here also that would love to pray with you. I just want you to know this. Acts, Acts chapter 5, we read, they were all with one accord. They were all working together. They were all in it. And I want you to know this today. Even though we have different views, even though we have different outlooks, we are all here as one family. We're doing life together. So if you need anything, come talk to us. We'd love to do life with you also. Thank you, and we will see you next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.